everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And today we're going to be talking about the 1998 Wesley Snipes led vampire half kind of vampire horror slasher action movie based on the comic book Blade. Zach, have you seen this movie before today? Yeah. I've seen it a couple of times. I think this is like my second or third time seeing it. And what do you think about this film, specifically in its relationship to samurai sword fighting? It's a samurai movie. Kind of. It's entirely a samurai. No, it's not. The end is... Does Blade ever use a gun? Yes. (laughs) Like... Okay, but is it More than the sword. But is it his signature weapon? No, the sword is his signature weapon. The sword is his signature weapon. And the most important fights throughout the film are... Sword fights. Sword fights. Yes. Yeah. It's a samurai movie. Because Frost, like, just randomly gets a sword when he turns into, like, Blood God or whatever Yeah, Blood for the Blood God. He becomes Blood God Sword Man. Well, it's not, like... Cool. If you're the blood god, you like shoot someone, <laughs> right? It's the Indiana Jones problem. <laughs> just... You become the blood god, and somebody comes out with a sword. And you just... Yeah, it's just I, I feel like it's not effective. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's I think uh, you know something that permeates all of comic book adaptations, right? Because in comic books, there's there's a little bit more of that ambiguity where you're not worried so much about the use of weapons because I don't think it comes off as cool with guns in comic books because it's a static kind of visual you can't like actually show action or fighting so Blade being able to in the comics rely so heavily on the sword fighting is a means of having like expressive and dynamic action sequences which then when translated to movies is not good Kurosawa because now it's just like He's a vampire with a sword, and it's a samurai movie. But also, we do use guns in this universe. Quite a bit. Quite a bit. But also, do we like the guns over the sword? Would you prefer that it was all sword or all gun? Because I think that this movie, based on the way that it works, should have just totally adopted one or the other. I disagree. I, I kind of like that about Blade and like both the comics. and like His, his fighting style is adaptive. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Bipartisan. Like, <laughs> it's not, not the right use, <laughs> but it's. I just like that it's like in certain situations, like he's like, yes, a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in other situations, it's like, yes, this is a time for. And like in the third movie, when he gets like the little knife thing mm-hmm. that Whistler makes, and it's like this knife that like shoots out and it's got like this like fly wire attached to it or something. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's kind of cool too. And it's just, I think they, it's an effort to be like a little bit more with like the vampire lore of like it's silver in different forms it's not just like a silver like plated sword or something it's like also we have silver bullets and like bullets that have like garlic cores to them or yeah, something yeah and uv yeah and the uv lights that's that's yeah. a big part of this too yeah which it gets used on pearl and then like never again yeah they, they make it seem like it's going to be this big deal. And the, just... the pearl one is, like, horrifying. Yeah, it's just torture. <laughs> it's literally just torture. It's 
like she moved, and that was like. Well, it's also like they play with the sunlight too with Frost. You know, he's like holding up the little girl, kind of like captive, and like so he can talk to Blight without really having any worry of getting killed. Um, and he's just like out in the daylight, and Blight goes out to him, and he's like, "Ah, sunblock." And it's like they can just wear sunblock. They can just wear sunblock. <laughs> it's fine. that easy. Well, and then, and but then, also, this could just be a commercial for sunscreen. Well, there's also times when, like, I'm talking the entire franchise, but also like in this movie where it's just like vampires in like full body gear, like in sunlight. So it's like you could just wear like a whole suit. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to go and get blade during the daytime, just wear a suit. Yeah, just wear like a a, a cat suit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a <laughs> skin-tight hazmat suit. That's what a cat suit is, basically. Yeah, it just really shows helmet. off the proportions, though. <laughs> the, the legs, the arms, you know. Good hazmat suits have, like, room for... Hazmat for suits are not very body. tactical, though. <laughs> You've never seen a tactical hazmat suit. <laughs> I've never seen a hazmat I don't think I've seen a hazmat well, suit there you in go. person. And I just think that with Blade, you get this... It's bipartisan all around. Because not only is he half gun, half sword, he's also half vampire, half not vampire, but definitely not human. But not half not human. So that's weird, right? Because they kind of like, so his mom shows up at the end. They're like, oh, his mom died giving mm-hmm. birth to him or whatever because she got bitten by a vampire and she's bleeding out and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then... The Oedipus. She, yeah, it's very weird sexual tension between... Like, his mom's coming on to him, right? It's weird. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But also, she's alive. And the other thing is, Frost is like, I'm the vampire that, like, turned your mother. Yeah. It's kind of true in this way where he's like, Frost is like, I'm your dad. Yeah. Like, I'm the vampire half of you. Mm-hmm. And it's just weird because blood he's not. The blood god. Right? Yeah. <laughs> You'll just not stop saying the that. The blood is the blood god. <laughs> Is the vampire, but also the blood god is just like. Is the blood god a thing? The blood god, or is he just high on like all that blood? I don't think that he's high on the blood because there's spirits flying around, like penetrating his body. Yeah. So there is some getting super- them high. <laughs> there's some supernatural element. No, because they kill other people. Typically, when yeah. you don't, when you get high, it doesn't throw but also other like, people against okay. walls. Okay, so let me rephrase my question in a less silly way. Is the blood god a thing, or is it just like we made this ritual so and like heightened his powers? Like he doesn't become like a host for the blood god, right? I think I think that he does. I think that that's kind of the point. Because right, isn't the point of like even invoking the blood god about like the 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 pure bloodness of vampires? Because the blood god is inherently like a result of vampiric intervention on living humans versus people that are born vampires. That's why he has such d- disdain for the vampires that were born vampires. How are you how are you a, how are you born a vampire? That's the question. But vampires, remember two the, vampires mate? Uh, they must because that's the the guy that Frost like takes into the sunlight is a is a born vampire. Versus Frost, who was turned vampire. So then, what? What is Blade then? Because like they call him a hybrid. Yeah, he is a hybrid because, and it was because he was, like turned vampire in the womb. It was because yes, that was the whole point: is that his mother was bitten, and she was dying, and so she had been infected (air quotes) by the vampirism, which had through blood obviously transmitted in blood of the womb, blah blah blah, biblical, 
um, permeated blade, but it wasn't enough for him to become full vampire because there was no like turning process, but he was born with vampire blood, which is why he is half vampire. That's why he has a lot of their powers, but is not himself a vampire. I get the semantics of it. It's just... Silly. Yeah. It's a comic book. It's just... <laughs> right. And, like, I don't know. They, they definitely thought it out, right? So, like, hey, like, what if... Vam- like, I guess the, the original writers and, like, creators of Blade probably asked these questions. Like, yeah. well, how does one become a vampire besides being bit by a vampire? Mm-hmm. Like, well, also, who is the blood god? Why is the blood god relevant? Because... The third movie introduces Dracula. Right. <laughs> Who's like the original vampire. So who the fuck is that? <laughs> the blood god? Is But Dracula's not the blood god. And there's like a weird... And this is the thing with the, the like spirits and stuff. And even the way that Frost is like analyzing rituals. It's like very Meso, like Mesoamerican. Like, you know what I mean? Or Mesozoic. It's Mesopotamian? Not, Mesopotamian. Mesoamerican. Ancient. Ancient. <laughs> but it's like, it's it's this ancient historical culture that is removed from, like, the, the Eastern European vampire. So you have ancient historical, not Mayan, but kind of Mayan vampire. Oh, and also the, like, talk of all of the, the blood rituals which are not Eastern European vampire lore. There's no blood rituals for, like, Dracula. I think they also, in the third one, they talk about how Dracula, like, was born in, like, the Mesopotamian era. Yeah. And, like, in that area of the world. Yeah, and so he, yeah, and as a result, probably, of Blood God. And so then he moved, but then, also, they just want big, cool fight, and also to kill all the I mean, that's his whole franchise. Yeah. It's all just justification for insane action sequences yeah. that where there is minimal amount of blood because the vampires just disintegrate. Yes. Which is super cool, right? That effect is like really cool. Except in the second one. In which case it's We're not gonna talk about Blade 2. <laughs> I know Guillermo del Toro. You... Blade 2 is so bad. Sometimes you put out movies that are not as good as other movies it's... you make. Yeah, no for sure. Like Mimic. Cockroach movie. That was not Guillermo del Toro. The second one was. The second one was bad. <laughs> there's like a there's like a thing where Guillermo del Toro will like take over a franchise, and he has lots of good ideas for the franchise, but so little monies. It's also execution. It's just like. It's weird. Yeah. And then, but you're also like, he made Shape of Water. You know what? He did have to go through a learning phase. I think that we. I should give him credit for that. He's saying that, like, his newer stuff is better? Yeah. Do you not think his newer stuff is better? Do you not well, think Shape of Water is better than Blade 2? I, I, would, <laughs> I would guess it is. I haven't seen Shape of Water. But it like, won an Academy Award. But I'm thinking of, like, Hellboy. Like, Hellboy... I thought it was good. ...was really good. Yeah. Hellboy 2, not as good. Not as good, but he didn't but, do Hellboy but still, 2. But still good. It's not just not as good. Um, Pan's Labyrinth. Like the Guillermo del Toro yeah. story, good, mm-hmm. not amazing, but good. You may get pushback on that one. I don't know. I've never seen Pan's Labyrinth. Really? Yeah, you I know sh- what the monster sure? looks like. It looks very neat. He's got hands. Oh, he's he's like he's actually a, he's actually a good guy. He's a good guy. Well, he is for part of it. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> so you have you have Blood God, purpose of Blood God being there, but it is it is about like blood purity. And that's always a thing. And that goes back, I think, even when you're talking about any sort of vampire media, there's always some sort of discussion about like the pureness of blood. And that's why like vampires have a thing for like virgin blood or like other types of blood that have not been sullied by whatever the thing is that causes the blood to be bad. Yeah. So you you run into just these cycles of nothingness. It's it's just racism. <laughs> yeah, it's racism. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just metaphoric. And then you racism. have Wesley Snipes playing a samurai, He's black. fighting <laughs> a Mesoamerican blood god that's currently inhabiting the body of the a whitest twin man, from the, 80s. <laughs> the whitest man you've ever seen, Christoph Christophson yeah. or whatever his name is. Yeah, I can't say it. He's got Justin Bieber hair from the early two thousands, but wet, constantly wet. That's that's what I was saying, like, while we were watching this, there was, like, that time, like, late 90s, early 2000s, when it was, like, stylish to have the bangs that were, like, one foot away from your One face. foot away and wet. <laughs> just, just right, always wet. <laughs> it's because, like, all those, like, sitcom heartthrobs yeah, had that hair. gelled the fuck out. Yeah. yeah. Sauced up. Sauced down. Sauced down. But yeah. well, sometimes, though. Sauced the house down boots. It's crazy. <laughs> And then you have Blade, who's like, one of the things that I love about him, I love when vampire movies go bondage, which this one movie really only does for Blade. And, he and his like, mom. And his mom. They do like the black... What's her name? Who's the calling her Blade's mom? Blade's mom. <laughs> that's, but that's the thing. Her worth... You could have put... It's dumb. And it's... It, it, it like is a moment that is like trying to be like driven by emotion but I don't care because they like it's like was Wesley Snipes dating this woman in real life yeah Vanessa yeah Vanessa Carlton Blade's mom she doesn't have a last name Blade, doesn't have a last does name. Blade have a last name Vanessa McBlade and so uh right Blade is like decked out in this like sleek black black suit and he's got like the long he's very visual but it goes so heavy into like all of Dracula media is like how do we update this for like late 90s early 2000s so, like what was what were like the fashion designers doing and it's like it's all bondage it's Celine from Underworld mm. it's Blade who is comic book I understand but Blade has a similar like aesthetic to Spawn but without the high collar yeah well I will say like his outfits in this movie and, and two and three, they're pretty co truly comic books. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's there's like there's like a pretty like prevalent joke of like his like outfit being made fun of is like kind of bondagey and like it, he was always like it's tactical like it's tactical. you know yeah which you know honestly. It is. Bondage is tactical. Right. It's slimming. It's it's, it's harnesses. It's tight to the body. Right. Not easily grippable, because that's a big thing with tactical outfits. You don't want them to be able to be, like, grabbed and, yeah. like, maneuvered. It's slippery. Yeah. You can move around fast. You can hook mm -hmm. up all your gun holsters yeah. real easily. And mm -hmm. uh, sword. Pecs look bigger. It's great. Pecs look bigger. <laughs> Just smack someone with your peck. Okay, that got weird. You can uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's, there's, 
part of the bondage and like using bondage in vampire films, I think, is also to enhance the like inherent sexiness that a lot of people see in vampire movies. But like, uh, I, I I think about like Dracula two thousand as well, which we've mentioned before. They also go down that route with like late nineties, early two thousands is like vampires, sleek black leather, but like not, but like. Dangerous, but also sexy. I mean... Dangerous, but approachable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that that goes, like, all throughout this franchise. Like, yeah. Even to the third one, like, where they just start, like, becoming weirdly self-conscious about mm-hmm. their costume designs, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. Um, like, in the way that... Ryan Reynolds, who just looks like he is... Deadpool, but not the new Deadpool, the Deadpool from, like, Wolverine Origins before he became Deadpool. Right, and then he, like, you know, his tattoo is, like, in the pubic area. Yeah. And he's like, look at my tattoo, I used to be a vampire. (laughs) Yeah. I I used to be a a familiar, right? Was it familiar or vampire? No, he was a a familiar. I couldn't remember. Um... But, right, because the the tattoos were um, symbols of ownership. Well, all, the vampires also had tattoos. It's weird. Did they? Yeah. But I don't think that they were like ownership marks. I think I think they were like matching tattoos to be like, here is the vampire tattoo, and here's like the matching one on the familiar to be like, yeah, they belong to well, them. And but that's the thing with the third one is then when Ryan Reynolds gets captured, he gets captured by the woman to whom he was a familiar. Correct. And then he gets to kill her. And because they had like a they had like a sexual relationship, so he keeps right. making like sex jokes during it because it's Ryan Reynolds and he can do that because it's Deadpool. He's just Deadpool. He's Deadpool, but in a movie that is not a Deadpool movie. Yeah, I, he's definitely got the snark. But yeah, it's he's <laughs> it's Ryan Reynolds at this point. It's just Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Ryan. Ryan. Just like, uh, what, Detective Pikachu? Or... Detective Pikachu like is Ryan it, it Reynolds was just... playing a Pokemon. <laughs> right. This is Ryan Reynolds in a Pikachu costume. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about my favorite part of the movie, and mm-hmm. that's the subway mm-hmm. tunnel scene. Mm-hmm. When Blade jumps onto the back, or he doesn't jump onto, he just grabs the back of the train. Mm-hmm. And, like, with, uh, what's her face? What's the lady's name? Celine. That's not her name. That's not her name. But they also have that scene in Underworld. Yeah, it's just this uh, Karen. Karen. Terrible name. Uh, <laughs> that was back when it was okay. It was, yeah, but still, it's like <laughs> we're just Karen's gonna like a serve. She, comic book character named Karen. Yeah, come on. But what was her second name? Because that's the, Johnson. That's good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because you know it could have gone. Could have been alliterative. Oh. Because most comic book characters have alliterative names. A lot. Like Peter Parker. Peter Parker, Bruce Banner. Hulk Hogan. (laughs) He came to life. (laughs) The comic books were so good. (laughs) He just came out of them. Yeah. No, so anyway, she grabs onto the back of this train. Those are two different They're sonically alliterative, though. (laughs) The train. (laughs) Yeah. He grabs onto the train and it like whips him around and they just get into the train. He's like, oh, my shoulder's dislocated. I'm like, that train was going probably like 40 miles an hour at least. Yeah. And it's just like, I get he's a vampire. Yeah. And like got these superpowers or whatever, but it's just like, 
How is his arm not completely torn off? It's just it's so oh, funny I, to me the way that's shot. I think that I think that a dislocation is reasonable. I think that I could do that. I think that I'd be fine. All right, let's go, let's find the subway. I don't think that it would be that because it, it's. I don't like, think anyone could actually grab onto it and keep hold. Is the thing. But if you have vampire strength to hold onto it, I do think you could. I also like. But also, to, if you have vampire strength to hold on, why are you dislocating your shoulder? I also don't think that the vampire strength is like that greater than human strength. Yeah, this movie does demonstrate that their survivability is not in their like outward strength. It mm. is entirely endurance based. Like they can endure a lot of punishment, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they can dish it out. Although they can sometimes like throw really far. So it kind of flip flops. Yeah. They have like bursts of supernatural energy. And this was weird about this franchise. Sometimes they can fly. Like at the end of the movie when they're doing they're goddamn doing Crouching Tiger and Dragon. Yeah. Because again Blood God. Blood God, it's a samurai movie. Blood God. It's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, but with vampires. They're definitely on fly wires, but... Yeah, it's weird how they treat, like, the vampire powers, because there's not a lot of blood drinking at all. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of biting. Really, that intro scene, like, the first scene in the movie... One they call the opening scene. Really sets up expectations. Yeah, I really like that. I think that's like actually my favorite part of the movie. It's like it. It's like really sets the tone. It's like, hey, this is like the '90s rave, but with blood. Yeah. And '90s blood orgy. And here comes Blade. He's gonna, you know, shut it down. Yeah. He's gonna. He's. <laughs> he's very serious. He's dark. <laughs> kind of he's though. Gonna, he's gonna stop the party. Yeah. And they do have like one normal human. Yeah, and he saves him. There's also, like, this weird thing about, like, the set pieces throughout this movie can't decide who or what they belong to because, like, grungy 90s rave totally makes sense. But then the entire, like, ending fight scene is, like, this weird, like, pyramid building that where they've got, like, a, an underground hole, like, in Alien vs. Predator. <laughs> and they've got, like, a... It's like a rocket silo. Yeah, it's like a rocket <laughs> silo, and it's so vertical, and there's also, like, this big empty cistern-looking room. Yeah. And I really love that they had a, like, a blade-shaped... Oh, God, you, do you remember? Yeah, the, the where he, like... It's like the carbonite thing for It's Star like Wars. carbonite, but more specifically, it's like, what are those things, the creepy crawlies, where you, like, had the mold, and then you, like, filled them with the goop, and then you closed it, and then you, like, baked it? And then you would have, like, a sticky, easy-bake oven-looking mold thing. It's just an impression. No, no, no. I'm being specific. There's, like, a there's like a 90s toy. Oh, no, no, I know what you're talking the about. The Creepy Crawlies toys. Yeah, and they, you, like, they like little gummy things afterwards? Yes. That, you don't eat them, though. You don't eat them. But that's what this essentially was, That it's and it's perfectly blade-shaped. Yeah, it's a prophecy. <laughs> they talk about the prophecy. Well, it's, it's the prophecy <laughs> from this, the Arabist text, right? Yeah. And the, 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 like, destroying all of it with its blade. Um, but, like, Arabist, I, I was, like, really intrigued by, I did this, I did, in this watch through, like, I never realized it's called Arabist before. Mm -hmm. Arabist being, like, the Greek god of darkness. Yeah. 
And it's like, hey, that's super cool. Maybe Erebus is like the blood god. Mm-hmm. And that would have been a super cool reveal. Yeah. But they just like didn't go anywhere. And also they, they mixed their cultures. Right. But I mean, like, I don't know. Marvel's good at doing that. Um, but wait. Blade, blood, blood God, blood Erebus. God, Erebus, Blood God, Erebus. So it's like this pro- prophecy that's foretold, and it's like, it makes you wonder. It's like, okay, was the prophecy actually real? Because mm-hmm. like Deacon Frost is like, that's like the whole thing he's going after yeah. is this prophecy to like make himself the Blood God. It's like, then the Blood God is like supposed to take over the world to like yeah. whatever I don't know, like save over the vampire world. Mm-hmm. And so to go back to your point of like the set pieces being kind of confused, I actually kind of like the contrast there because there is this, like, old versus new. Oh, yeah. I mean, and even though Deacon Frost is, like, presenting himself as kind of, like, the new vampire, like, generation, mm-hmm. he's actually going back to the old ways and, like, going back to, like, the historical texts yeah. and, like, you know, a blood god, yeah. more the origins of vampiric even the way society. that he's like doing the analysis of the texts i think is is so indicative of that contrast because his his like dwelling is so high tech like he's got the bed that like opens up it's that's like, supposed to be like a coffin right so i thought that was kind of dumb like why do you have this bed but it's like it's like a really fancy coffin also if you're a vampire don't use white sheets <laughs> like <laughs> Don't. Maybe he doesn't sleep or he eats. <laughs> okay, sure. Well, that's the funny thing, too, because it's like the white sheets were on top, but the, like, under sheet on the bed was, like, a red silk pattern. So it's like... I also have a question about that. Is that a white blood cell, red blood cell bit? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm glad so. we settled that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they were thinking that hard. It's just weird because there is a lot of white... Mm-hmm. In, like, the vampire areas. Do you think that's to contrast with something? Blades Darkness. That's racist. That's <laughs> not what I meant. He's, he's always wearing, like, all black. And he's a dark kind of guy. Let's also... Okay, let's get into Blades' motivations, right? Uh-huh. Kill. Like, what, kill yes, kill vampires, mm-hmm. specifically. Mm-hmm. But why? <laughs> Just because he's a good guy? Re- revenge. Revenge on what? On them that killed his mom. Is that it? I think that's part of it. Cause, well, cause, so the whole thing with Whistler is they formed like a team organization. And I think it was because uh, Whistler said that he found Blade as a teenager, like while Blade was hungry. And so Whistler kind of trait Whistler had also revenge based motivations to hunt vampires. Mm-hmm. Because if we, if we take a look at it, like, from Blade's perspective, he was basically orphaned, and so he didn't know who his mother was, and he had no idea that the vampires killed her, unless, you know, magic. And so Whistler kind of took him in, was just like, hey, yeah, you have this power. He taught him let's the ways. Use it for, let's use it for good to fight. It's Dexter. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's literally Dexter. It's exactly like Dexter. Yeah, except, you know... A little, little more paranormal. A little more paranormal, vampiric. Um, and Blade doesn't have a sibling. That's going to be the next one, yeah. The next one. Yeah. <laughs> the reboot. The reboot. I'm excited about that, because it's not Wesley Snipes, even though Wesley Snipes is, I don't know. Free? Okay. Is he? I don't think he's in prison anymore. I don't think so either. He I went to prison, for those of you who don't know, he went to prison for tax evasion? 
Yep. And uh, has been in prison for a long time. But he was in What We Do in the Shadows as a member of the, the, like, Vampire Congress. But he was on, like, webcam. Yeah, do you think they're going to let him record from prison? You guys can't see it. I'm shrugging. <laughs> I, I just, I don't imagine that that's the case. I feel like Wesley Snipes is free. He, he probably is. I mean, we could look it up. How, well, because how, what else are they going to do? Is he going to, like, get paid for acting work? You can get paid while you're in prison. <laughs> guys, we've never been to prison. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, that's a good point. So You can, you can make money while you in prison. But they also need, like, a younger, hipper, able-bodied blade to appeal to the young ones. To the you young, mean for this new one that Yeah, Marvel's for the new one, because I think that it would be awesome to have Blade come back, but it'd be like having Harrison Ford play Indiana Jones again. Oh, I, d- I don't think it's... <laughs> Which he did, but you can tell that he's old. Right. I don't... Okay, so for those who don't know, it's Mahershala Ali that's playing Blade in this upcoming... I think it's coming out in 2025. It's still a while, while off. But I think it's just that they want a new face. Wesley Snipes is not that old that he couldn't do it, He's I don't 61. think. I don't think that's that old. Like, he could still do it. That's old for a vampire. I guess that's not old. Jackie Chan could do it, too. Right. I'm sure Wesley Snipes is still in great shape. But... I don't think it's because of the tax evasion. I don't think it's necessarily because of the age. I think it's just like, this is a different blade in a different universe. We're starting over. We're making it part of this MCU. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode of Watch No Evil. This is Matt. And this is Zach. And you know what? <laughs> it's it's morbid time. <laughs> That's more of a horror movie than Blade is. It's morbid. To be quite honest. <laughs> it's morbid time. Check out all the podcasts brought to you by Redwood Sound Labs. Finally, a podcast that's dedicated to talking about your favorite sports movies. Whether you want to hear a breakdown of the plot, arguments about who's the MVP of the film, or crit and lit about it, you'll find it all on Fields of Glory. Listen to the show that will help you live a better life with your beloved pets. It handles topics like proper food, nutrition, positive reinforcement training, and more. Certified dog behavior consultant Charlotte Peltz welcomes your pet concerns and questions in the podcast Living With Your Dog. Zach and Matt are two horror movie enthusiasts of varying experience discussing horror movies through the scope of content, context, and comedy. They'll hit on the good ones and the classics, but they're really excited for the bad ones. Listen to Watch No Evil. Charles is a Purple Heart recipient and cinematographer. Aaron is a professor and critical cultural scholar. Together they explore the narrative, effective, and production politics of war cinema on the Real War Project. That's R-E-E-L, War Project. 